21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the child's, the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Thank you, Jacob, for leading the music today. And Mr. Pinkerton for filling in for Miss Alice on the piano. Appreciate that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another beautiful day of life. We thank you that we have the opportunity to open your word today and to study some passages from your scriptures. And Father, we thank you for sending your son to go to the cross to die for us. And Jesus, for being the blood atonement for all of our sins. And your Holy Spirit, for being with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word. Lord, that you would protect the words that I speak, that they bring glory into your kingdom, for your kingdom, for your glory and honor. And Jesus, forgive the sin in my life that this word would not be hindered in any way. Find any evil that might be trying to steal your word as it goes into our minds and our hearts. And Jesus, we just want to thank you for your so good, for all of your grace, Lord, for the faith that you give us. Without you, Lord, we have nothing. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture, and this is from, as Jacob had read, the book of Matthew, chapter 15. And there's also a parallel passage in the book of Mark in chapter 7 that we're also going to look at some of those verses. And this passage of scripture deals with a lady from the land of Canaan. She's also known as a Syrophoenician woman. And Canaan is an area, it has two major cities called Tyre and Sidon. Tyre is approximately 100 miles north of Jerusalem. And it's situated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And then about 25, 30 miles farther north from Tyre is Sidon. That also sits along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And if you read in chapter 15, earlier to this passage, Jesus was confronted by the scribes and the Pharisees. They had come up from Jerusalem and were listening to him preach near the Sea of Galilee. They were challenging him and saying, why don't you keep the traditions of men? And Jesus answered them and said, well, why don't you keep the scriptures, the Ten Commandments? For example, honoring your parents. He basically said that they were the blind leading the blind into the ditch. And then his disciples came to him later and said, don't you know that they were offended by you? And that's truly what the gospel does. When the gospel is confronting evil, whatever form that evil is, it's offended by it. And these scribes and Pharisees, Jesus calls them later, they're hypocrites. 
They're looking at the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, but they're rejecting that Word of God. And this Syrophoenician woman, she has great faith. Now there's an issue here going on because this is early in Jesus' ministry, and his ministry at this point is to the lost tribe of Israel. He's speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. He is not yet focused upon the Gentiles. Later on, that script turns. As the Jews continue to reject him, he starts opening up and ministering to the Gentile nation. And eventually, they totally reject him and are part of sending him to the cross. Of course, all of us in this room, he's died for our sins. So we're all part of sending Jesus to the cross by his decision. But let's look a little closely at these verses now. If you look at the top of page 2, the title for our lesson today is Dogs, Crumbs, and the Great Faith of the Syrophoenician Woman. And we're going to look at four points. The first point is God is rich in mercy. The second point is God is all-knowing and wise. The third point is God is gracious and giving. And then the final point today will be God blesses our faith in Him. So the first point here, God is rich in mercy. Psalm 13, 5 says, But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. So if we have gone to the Lord through faith, received his salvation, that is a show of God's great mercy. And we see this lady, this Syrophoenician lady, as she comes to Jesus, she is really under his mercy as the Father draws her to the Son. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus is now leaving this area around Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where he's preaching, and he heads north and west toward the Mediterranean Sea. He's really going into this area of Sidon and Tyre to take a break. He's going for a mini beach vacation. We can kind of look at it that way. And he goes with the disciples, and he's trying to go incognito where the masses of people don't follow him. He wants to truly get a rest. And this really teaches us that we can work ourselves beyond the point of being useful for the Lord. If Jesus needed a rest, we should take our day of rest. And certainly Sunday is our day to rejuvenate our batteries. Matthew eleven twenty one and 22. Now this verse deals with Jesus speaking woes to Chorazon and Bethsaida. He was doing many mighty miracles in these cities and in this region, and they rejected him. So now he's heading north, part and parcel. Not only is he tired and seeking a break, but he's leaving that area because they have rejected the great miracles that he is, that he is doing in their presence. Matthew eleven twenty one twenty two. 22. Woe unto thee, Chorazon. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Mark 6, 5, and 6 says, And he could 
There do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So we're seeing here that a lack of faith on the part of the people seeing his miracles restricted the power of God. He took his power and went elsewhere. And in our personal life, if we have patterns of sin, that will restrict the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And indeed, the Bible admonishes us not to quench the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 7.24 And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So here we see Jesus in this parallel passage from Mark. He goes into this region and it says, and would have no man know it. He wanted to do this in secret. He was looking for some vacation time, some downtime to recharge his batteries. And that verse ends, but he could not be hid. God's power could not be hid. The masses of people of this region, they, they heard about him. And they were seeking for the miracles and the belief and the faith and the goodness of God. Remember, if we look in the Old Testament, this area of Sidon and Tyre has a very demonic background. This is where Jezebel, the witch Jezebel, had her headquarters. And all of those false prophets were in this region. And many of those people had preached and this cult, it was in the culture, this evil demonic activity. So this lady, the, the Syrophoenician, she comes to Jesus and as Jacob read, she had a demon-possessed daughter. That speaks volumes to her faith. Think about that. I can't imagine living in a household where there was someone that, some person that was demon-possessed. Just think of the things that would be going on, the crazy things that would be happening. And she comes to Jesus. She's looking for an answer. It was disrespectful for a woman to come and speak to a man in public at this time, and especially to a Jew. So she's fighting a lot of culture and a lot of tradition to come to Jesus in faith. John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This verse is teaching that anyone who comes to Jesus for salvation is being drawn to Christ through the power of the Father. So Jesus is always doing the will of God. So this Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus is actually being drawn by the Father. Romans 15.9 says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. This is Paul speaking in the book of Romans. He's talking about the Gentiles glorifying the mercy of God. Every one of us that's saved in this room, it's through grace by faith. But it's also God's mercy drawing us to Jesus Christ.
Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She comes to Jesus and said, Have mercy on me. And this is the, she's defined as a woman of Canaan. She's a Gentile woman. She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile, and she's born and raised in this area where this strong demonic activity is. Mark 7.25 For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. This parallel passage from Mark adds a little bit more detail. It calls this demon-possessed daughter an unclean spirit. And she heard about him because people were talking about Christ. They were saying, did you hear about this Jesus fellow? He does great miracles. He heals the sick and he casts out demons. And this certainly caught her ear. We don't know anything about her personally. We don't know how old she was. We don't know how old her daughter was. We don't know if she's married or if she's a single parent. We don't really know any of the details except she's a Gentile woman who is seeking a miracle. And she says to Jesus in this verse, Have mercy on me, O Lord. And that's a cry that always will get the attention of Christ. Have mercy upon me. Mark 7.26, the next verse in this passage. The woman was a Greek. She's a Gentile. A Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. So she has one plea. She's not coming to say, Jesus, save me. She's saying, cast out this demon out of my daughter. And you can imagine her heart was broken because she's a woman of faith. She's a believer. And her daughter is demon-possessed. That's as far on the spectrum as you can get. To have somebody on their way to heaven, a believer, and on the other side, having a daughter, a child, who's demon-possessed. Luke 6, 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain. And the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coasts of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and he healed of their diseases. So we see these masses of people all the way from Judea and uh, Jerusalem, a hundred miles south. They're coming north to hear Jesus preach and to be healed. And the next verse says, And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, with demons, and they were healed. Certainly, this Syrophoenician woman had heard these miracles and her ears perked up when they said, He casts out demons and unclean spirits. That was the need of her life. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, has made us alive in Christ, and by grace we are saved. The second point today, God is all-knowing and wise. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Jesus was a great soul winner. By this definition of this verse, Proverbs 11.30, Jesus is wise. Any one of us in this room 
if we are a soul winner for Christ, God calls us wise. Jesus, with all of the wisdom, he wrote the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The essence of the Bible is Christ. He is wise. And we're going to see how he draws this lady to him. Not for the purpose of salvation, but to answer her prayer. Let's look at the top of page 3. Matthew 15.23 But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. So do you see the first time she approaches Jesus? He doesn't answer not a word. But she's crying out, Have mercy on me. And his disciples, they're getting a little upset with her. Because like some of the other examples in the Bible, people with needs, they don't hush. They cry to the Lord when they have a dire need. And she's not about to be silenced. And this is upsetting to his apostles. We see another example of this in Matthew 20, verse 30 and 31. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us. O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of, of David. Jesus hears that cry if it's a true repentant cry of, Have mercy. Luke 18, 1. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And this was the example, this passage, where this lady went to a judge, and the judge was not a believer. He initially did grant her request, but she kept going back to him, and she kept going back to him. And finally, he said, this lady's going to keep on bothering me. I'm just going to answer that request so she doesn't keep on bothering me. Now, God doesn't answer our prayer requests because we're bothering him, but what this parable is teaching is that if we don't first get an answer to our prayer, go back to the Lord. Go back again, a third, a fourth, a fifth time. If we're praying for somebody to be saved, it could be 500 or 1,000 times where we lift that name up. Somebody in our family, you might be praying for 20 or 30 or 50 years. This verse teaches us not to faint. That means don't stop, don't give up. Luke 9, 12 and when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and the country round about, and lodge and get victuals, food. For we are here in a desert place. This is another example where the people were getting restless. The daylight was going down, the sun was setting, people were hungry, and there were a great multitude. The disciples didn't know how to handle this. So they said to Jesus, send them away so they can go find food. And we're in a desert place. But Jesus didn't. He fed the multitudes, thousands on two different occasions. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That verse means don't worry. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When we have dire needs in our life, we shouldn't worry about it. Because worrying will not take care of the issue. 
it says, take that to the Lord as a prayer request and already thank him with a spirit of thanksgiving, thanking him for the, the will that he's going to do in your life. Matthew 15, 24. This is Jesus again speaking. And he's talking to the disciples who are now confronting him. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now this lady, the Syrophoenician lady, she hears this. So she's already made his, her petition to him and he answered her not. And now she hears his disciples say address the issue and he's telling them, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was sent to preach to the Jews. She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile. So he's not going to address her needs, even though she's saying, have mercy on me. Matthew 10, 5 and 6. These 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them. These are the 12 apostles Jesus is sending out. And he says, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here we're seeing Jesus' primary mission at the beginning of his public ministry was to preach and teach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Israelites, the Jews. And when he sent the 12 apostles out, he said, avoid the Gentiles, especially that area of Samaria, which is about 45 miles north of Jerusalem. Don't go there, but go primarily and preach to the lost house of Israel. And this really speaks to us. This is an example for us in our family. If we have a lost spouse or parents or children, our primary message of reconciliation should be within our own family. And then we go to the outer coasts of Samaria and to the outer parts of the world where we go out into the public. But we ought to be giving our godly testimony first, foremost, to our lost family members. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So now Jesus at the end of his ministry, right before he sends into heaven, these are the last verses of the book of Gospel of Matthew. Now he's teaching us, go ye therefore and teach all nations, Gentile and Jew, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. This speaks about that wall that was separating when Jesus initially started his public ministry. There was a wall that separated between the Jewish nation and the Gentile nation. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down that middle wall of partition between us. Now Jesus is no respecter of persons. The Jewish nation and the Gentile nation are one if we believe in Christ as our personal Savior. All right, the third point today, God is gracious in giving. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we have needs in our life, 
Are we seeking God's kingdom first? Because he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those things will be added unto you. I was looking at a verse earlier this week from James that says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, that we visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So these verses kind of go together. If we seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, his purity, and if we keep ourselves unspotted from the world, then God will answer our prayers. Why would God answer the prayers of somebody who's in a sinful state, who's continuously living in a sinful lifestyle? That doesn't make any sense. Matthew 15, 25. Then came she and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. This lady of great faith is now taking her request, her plea to the next level. She's on her knees and she's worshiping him. She's recognizing this Jesus as her God. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. This verse is teaching us to take our cares, our burdens, and give them to the Lord. Cast them upon him. And he will sustain thee. He will carry thee. He will answer and meet your needs. Psalm 86.5 For thou, Lord, art good. Amen. God is good. And ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy. Unto all that call upon thee. This lady is saying, Lord, help me. That's her plea. Lord, help me. How many times in our lives, when we've gone down into the depths, we're no longer on the mountain, and we have a really strong need, it could be physical, emotional, financial, or spiritual, and we cry out and say, Lord, help me. This is the condition of this Syrophoenician woman. She's at that point, and she's saying, Lord, help me. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good thing in our life comes from God. And this teaches God never changes. There is no variableness. And He doesn't turn. There's no shadow of turning. And He is the Father of light. In Him is no darkness. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. We can take all of our burdens to the Father, to Jesus, through the power of His Holy Spirit, and we can cast them upon Him, because He cares for us. Just as we care for our children and our grandchildren, the Father cares for us. Matthew 15, 26. This is again Jesus speaking. And he's speaking now directly to the Syrophoenician woman. But he answered and said, It is not meat, it is not appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Did you hear what he called the Syrophoenician woman? He called her a dog. Now Jesus never did any sin. 
So what he's saying here is absolutely appropriate. And this is reality. The Jewish nation looked upon any Gentile, any Greek, as a dog. Again, Jesus is not sinning. He's just stating the facts. Now, if you look at the top of page 4, this was an interesting word, and I was trying to get a little bit more understanding, so I went to the Greek meaning for this word. Dogs means kunarion, and it actually translates like a puppy dog. So there are some preachers who say, well, Jesus was really speaking to her in a loving manner because this was a puppy dog. But remember, all dogs were unclean to the Jewish nation. A puppy dog is just as unclean as a big grown-up dog. And then, if you look further, Wycliffe says this was a contemptuous, a contemptuous diminutive. And it really means like whelpies or curs. And cur is kind of like a term of hurting somebody. You wouldn't ever call somebody that. And it says this was a term applied by the Jews to the Gentiles. Matthew 7, 6, continue to study this issue. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. This is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Neither cast you your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. What Jesus is talking about in the spirit world is the word of God is the bread of life. It's the pearl. It's the precious pearl. And you don't give that to a dog or to a swine because they will not appreciate it. They will just trample it under their feet. And in fact, they will turn again and rend you. They will turn to be vicious on you. They will attack you for giving them the bread of life. So Jesus is saying you need to have discernment when you witness. Sometimes it's just best to pray rather than to give somebody the gospel because they're so hardened to the word that they will not receive it and in fact they might attack you in anger. Mark seven twenty seven. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it onto dogs. So this parallel passage is giving us a little bit of additional information. Jesus is saying in this verse, let the children first be filled. So he knew his primary mission was to preach to the Jewish nation. And she's a Gentile. So he's not speaking negatively or putting her down in any manner. He's just saying, I was sent to preach to the Jews first. Revelation 22.15 For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. This is the final chapter of the Bible. This is the book of Revelation. There's only a few more verses before we close the Bible. And here Jesus is still saying the dogs will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They are without for without our dogs, and he lumps the dogs in with the sorcerers, the whoremongers, the murderers, the idolaters, and all liars. All right, let's look at the fourth point today. God blesses our faith in him. God always will bless our faith. Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
We must have faith in order to go to heaven. Simply believing that Jesus is God is not enough. Because faith is works evidencing your belief. Matthew 15, 27. This is the lady answering Jesus now in this passage. And she said to Jesus, Truth, Lord. She's not taking any offense. She didn't get up in a huff and leave and say, Well, he called me a dog. No, she says, Truth, Lord. What you are saying is true. I am a Gentile dog. She understood the culture. But look at how she answers Jesus. It's almost like the Holy Spirit gave her wisdom on how to answer. She says, Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What an answer. Isn't that like a grace on your tongue just coming through? How can Jesus not react to that? So three times she was rejected, and yet she was not in any way rebuffed or put off. She says, truth, Lord. Psalm 102.17 God will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. So this lady, she comes to him and says, have mercy on me. And then she gets on her knees and is worshiping him. And then she's saying, God, you are true. And with grace, she answers him. There's no negative emotion in her spirit at this point. And God, of course, will bless her. Luke 7, 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great no faith, no, not in Israel. This verse is talking about the centurion who had a servant who was sick. And he sent his men on ahead and he said, my servant is sick. When he sent the men, Jesus said, I will come. But then he instructed the men and said, tell Jesus he doesn't actually have to come to my house. I command a hundred men. I know what authority is. God, you have authority. You can say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled and he said, what great faith this man has. He understood faith and the power of God. And you see in these passages, today we looked at God marvels twice in the New Testament. The first time is when the Jews didn't have faith. And here he marvels that the centurion has great faith. And now he goes and says to this Syrophoenician woman, and she answered and said unto him, Yea, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he recognizes her great faith. Once you become saved, you become a new creature in Christ. You are no longer a Gentile dog. You are adopted into God's family. You are a child of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's look at Matthew 15.28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. He saw her faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from the very hour. Do you see the lessons that this Syrophoenician woman can teach us? She approached God and God didn't hear. 
How many times do we pray and it's like our prayer seems not to go beyond the ceiling? But God has a perfect timing. He doesn't always answer in our time. God answers in His time. But we need to be consistent. And when people say to us, God's never going to answer that prayer. That person will never be saved. That marriage will never be restored. Their health will never be returned. Don't buy into that. If it's God's will to answer their prayer, He will in His time. And three times she was rebuffed, and yet she worshiped. When God doesn't answer our prayers, get on our knees and worship. He loves, God loves that. Mark 7, 29. This is the parallel passage. And Jesus said unto her, For this saying, go your way. The devil is gone out of your daughter. He answered her prayer. Don't you think this is a great prayer to be answered? This isn't simply like, Jesus, I need a new car. This is spiritual warfare. And once a person is demon-possessed, they have no power in their own being to dispel that demon. See, the devil can tempt us. He tempted God. And that's not necessarily a sin. And the demon can influence us to sin, and that is, to sin, and that is evil. But we're not, at that point, demon-possessed. And we can still turn to the, through the power of God and go away from that demonic oppression. But once a person becomes demon-possessed, they no longer have the power to search out God. God has to do the miracle. And here, Jesus did the miracle. And he took that demon out of her daughter. Mark 7.30 finishes the passage. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Do you think she rejoiced? I think she had alleluia all night long. And she hugged on her daughter because her daughter was back in her right mind. How many of us know people that are alcoholics or drug addicts? And you just wish that they would give up that oppression, that satanic hold over their life. And now imagine that that person got saved and they no longer drank or they no longer were dealing drugs or hooked on drugs. What a change that would be in their life. And yet, that's really just in the physical world. This lady experienced her daughter having the demon leave in the spiritual world. And now her life could get back to normal. You know she praised God for that miracle. This was the most heavy thing in her life. And God answered her prayer. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Diligent means you have effort in it. In banking, when you are diligent, you make a loan and you look at all of the variables about the risk. Here, this lady was looking at what was going on with God and she was diligent. When she was rebuffed three times, she stayed diligent and she hung in there with her prayer request. And this verse says, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 
and he rewarded her by answering her prayer. James 2, 19 and 20. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. And the devils believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? There's a difference between believing, because the devils believe, but they're not going to heaven, and faith. And if you don't have works that testify who you are, that if you don't have fruit in your life that shows that you're a Christian, then your faith is dead. James 2.26 says this. It says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What a picture of faith. How many times have we gone to the funeral home and saw a body that was dead? This verse says, As the body without the spirit is dead, that person had no spirit in them. They were dead. God says, Your faith without works is like that dead body in the coffin. That's a strong picture. Matthew eleven twenty five twenty six. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. This verse is teaching us that God hides the gospel message from the people that are worldly. The people that are successful in the world. The wise and the prudent. But he reveals them unto babes. People that have simple faith like a child. Who come to him. A child needs every provision. They need food and shelter. And they need love. We need to come to Jesus just like that. In the spirit world we need his food of life. And we need provision. And we need protection against the evil one. And we need to seek out his love. And God will provide. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. This was a wonderful passage. As I read through this this week and just contemplated the, the verses. It's really a wonderful example of how the Trinity works. This lady confronted Jesus, who's God. She was drawn to Jesus by the Father. And she was worshiping in the Spirit. Because as a believer, the Holy Spirit lived in her. Our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And do you see how the Trinity God was working in her life and answered her prayer? What a beautiful story. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. It has so many wonderful passages as these few verses that we looked at today. And Jesus, we do thank you that we can take our prayers before you. And Lord, we know you answer prayers. But sometimes it's in your timing and not our timing. And Lord, we do thank you that you went to the cross and you became the propitiation for the wrath that is due our sins, for my sins. And Holy Spirit, that you would be with us and strong in our lives and our minds this week. Bring people into our lives who need to be blessed, who need to hear the word. Perhaps they just need a smile. But there are many people who are lost and are on their way to hell. And in your words, Lord, in Revelation, these are the dogs that will go into the lake of fire. And if they're in our family, Lord, please save them. Bring them to a knowing knowledge of you where they repent and turn to you. 
And Father, we ask all these things in your precious Jesus' name, the name above all names. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Protect us. Amen.